today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Cash and Carry Kitchens. At the heart of Irish homes for over 40 years. Cashandcarrykitchens.ie But first this morning, Michael McGrath, Minister for Finance and Fianna Fáil TD for Cork South Central is here. Good morning to you. Good morning, Claire. Thanks for coming in today. No bother. Um, on Friday, you told the Irish Tax Institute's annual dinner that there are substantial tax cuts on the way, which was interesting to hear because we're barely five months out from the last budget. Why are you promising tax cuts in the next one? Uh, so I was giving a speech to, as you said, the Irish Tax Institute annual dinner. So it would be natural to cover all things to do with tax. And I spoke about corporate tax and enterprise tax and, of course, income tax as well. And it is a programme for government commitment that we would uh, reduce the burden of personal taxation. And the uh, lens that I look at this through is the need for us to have a competitive personal taxation system. So in the last budget, which was my first budget as Minister for Finance, I reduced the USC, uh, the middle rate uh, by half a percent, the first rate cut uh, in five years and also improved the income tax credits and of course we continued the progress that we've made in widening the band as in the, the point at which you reach the higher rate of tax. So are you saying you want to do that again or you want to go further? What I'm committing to is that there will be a further substantial income tax package in the budget uh, in the autumn. Uh, the value of what we did in the budget last October, which only took effect at the beginning of the year was about one and a half billion euro in a full year. Mm. Now, every year in the budget, you know, we provide much more funding for expenditure increases. So the allocation for expenditure is a multiple of what it is in the taxation You've got front. You've so, so many people working in the economy now. Is yeah. that how you see the scope for doing that? Uh, we will have scope because we do have an economy now that has reached over 2.7 mm. million people at work, which is the highest number ever. We actually added about 90,000 people uh, in the last 12 months and if you look at where we were immediately pre-COVID not only have we regained all those jobs that were lost in COVID but we're actually about 330,000 more mm-hmm. in terms of number of people at work so okay. as I said on Friday night that's four full Croke Parks extra working compared to say January 2020 mm-hmm. which is uh, quite an extraordinary achievement in terms of the, the performance I, I, of the economy. I just thought when I saw that you said that it was interesting that you mentioned it then and I wondered whether you're sending a message to your coalition partners and specifically Leo Varadkar I want to do this next budget don't go to the polls just yet. Oh, well that wasn't the intention uh, I can assure you but uh, my own view is that we should run the full term I think in a world where there is a premium on certainty because of the the lack of certainty globally, the instability, the conflict, the geopolitical tensions. I do believe that a government running its full term, going to the people uh, at the end of the five-year period, giving an account of what it has done Mm -hmm. and areas where it feels more work needs to be done, uh, I think that that is the right approach. But look, that's a matter for the Taoiseach who will consult with the party leaders. Is running the full term more important than you delivering that next budget? Well, I can't deliver the next budget uh, unless we run the full term or close to it. What I'm saying to you is, are you saying, I want to deliver that budget? That's sort of my red line on when I believe the election should be. Uh, No, I'm not looking at it that way. There are no red lines or anything. This is about the, the length of time the government runs mm. and but there's no I do rule believe in place around the budget like there's no EU rule in, in that we have to adhere to that says we have to do that budget before we go to the polls Oh that's correct I mean we could go to the polls next month but 
I don't think it would be the right thing to do. And I think governments, you know, get uh, elected uh, and once an election takes place, the government is formed. Mm. And I think governments should, you know, except for uh, unforeseen events, should run their full term. And I know there'll be lots of articles about tactics and when the election should be and so on. But, I, I you know, at its simplest level, you commit to serving a full term. I think you should serve the full term. You give an account to the people of what you have done and where you think you can do better. And uh, people will hold you to account and give their verdict. But I do think in the world in which we live, political stability is very attractive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I travel abroad on behalf of the government to engage with multinational executives um, both here and in, and abroad you know they recognise the value of political stability and I do think that running the full term sends out an important message in that regard but it's it's not my call Yeah but your preference is that the election will be this time next year not in September that not in November That would be my personal view yeah. Okay yeah. Uh, Let's talk about um, spending capital projects in particular and I have a list of them here so you need to complete the children's hospital at a cost of over 2 billion build a metro line, stated cost 9 to 12 billion, expand Dublin Airport, double our wind energy production by 2030, ramp up housing construction, retrofitting, build at least at least six, perhaps 15 state-run centres for people seeking international protection. We also have the proposal to build the Shannon to Dublin pipeline sure. to supply yep. water. There's a huge amount of spending going on. The business minister, Simon Coveney, I see in the paper today, is out in the Middle East trying to drum up support for investment is that a sign that we can't afford to do all of those things? No, it's not a sign of that. You always need international capital to deliver uh, infrastructure projects, uh, whether it be public projects that you partner with the private sector or the private sector can deliver a lot of projects as well. But we have a very large national development plan. So this year we will spend over 13 billion euro uh, building homes, investing in transport and healthcare and education, uh, in energy infrastructure. And all of that is needed and more. Mm -hmm. So that's why we provided an envelope of over 160 billion out to 2030. And that's why uh, I'm setting up two new funds, one of which was focused on infrastructure, so that if in the future, you know, we encounter a downturn or a shock in our economy, that we don't do what we did before, which was turn off the tap on public capital investment. That's a mistake. You have to invest through the economic cycle. So if we do hit that downturn or shock, we will have the resources put aside that we can then use to maintain a high level consistently of public capital investment in all of the things that you touched on there and which we really need because we have a growing economy, we have a growing population. Uh, you know, capital expenditure was cut by about 60% from peak to trough after the, the financial crisis and that's because the money wasn't there. So now, not playing, a criticism. now playing catch up. We are playing catch up and we have to make sure that the next time that we hit a bump on the road uh, that we have access to capital and we will because we're setting up the Infrastructure, Climate and Nature Fund and also because we're providing for known costs that are definitely coming your way in terms of demographic change, the digital, the green transition and that's why I'm setting up the Future Ireland Fund mm. as well. These are you know, really high strategic priorities for, for the remainder of, of the government's term in office to get those funds in place because it does make the future much more but secure how, for all how, of us. How do you plan for cost overruns like what we've seen with the, the Children's Hospital and even the discussions around the Dublin Metro link. I mean, the figures vary wildly there. People mention the 9.5 billion, that that could increase massively. I mean, how do you plan for that? We're just not good at getting those numbers right. Well, we have made a lot of changes in the last uh, number of years uh, arising from 
the children's hospital experience. So when I was in public expenditure and reform, I introduced um, new um, scrutiny levels, new assurances, set up a, an external major project advisory group. So there are more checks and balances now in place uh, before we, we press the green button to go on a project. Uh, we do have to know exactly what we're getting into. There is always the prospect of unforeseen costs. Construction inflation does need to be provided for and that is a real cost uh, that has to be met and obviously the war in Ukraine brought a level of materials inflation that we hadn't experienced for a very, very long time in mm-hmm. Ireland. So we have made changes and um, my, my colleague Minister Dunne, who now has introduced further changes to tighten up even more the way in which we approve major capital projects. So are you saying that a cost overrun situation like we have seen with the Children's Hospital can't happen again? You can never give that guarantee uh, but when I look at projects like the Dunkettle Interchange in Cork which was just formally opened by the Taunashta in the last few weeks, over €200 million Euro uh, and it was completed on time and on budget. So some projects are getting done uh, in an efficient and a cost effective way and we do need to have learned the lessons and I believe we have from uh, the way the projects were managed in the past and we have put in place changes that will reduce the risk of that. You can never give a guarantee because complex okay. major uh, infrastructure projects you know, can throw up unforeseen issues. Now, we've talked about the potential for tax cuts. What about tax increases. Are there any that you're mulling at the moment? Well, I announced in the budget last October that I was minded to introduce a tax on uh, electronic cigarettes and work on that. It has been undertaken since then by my own department, working with the revenue commissioners. We have to ensure there's full policy alignment with what the Department of Health is doing. Of course, they have banned e-cigarettes, vapes uh, for under 18 year olds. And also I have to be conscious of the work that's going on in Minister Ryan's department of of the environment, climate communications. Mm. Uh, so we are developing that in line with what I said on Budget Day. And what would and you ha- like to see happen? Like how, how big a problem do you think it is? I see Jeremy Hunt, your counterpart in the UK, is it has said he's going to tax vapes. But what's your aim? Well, I think the insidious aspect of vapes is the targeting of young people. And there's no doubt, but it is a deliberate policy in my mind of what is happening when you see all the, the attractive flavours and names. It's mm-hmm. definitely targeting young people and very successfully. So your job, as you see that. it, is to put them financially out of reach of that cohort of people. Well, we are consulting with the Department of Health as well because we acknowledge um, that for some people, um, using e-cigarettes is a way of getting off cigarettes and cigarettes are you know, far more damaging to public health. But there are many unknowns about the long-term effects of e-cigarettes generally. So what I'm doing is taking uh, a comprehensive approach, consulting across government to make sure there's full policy alignment, that we're consistent in the policy position we adopt. Uh, but I do believe that that will result in uh, a new tax being uh, announced in the next budget okay. and introduced next year. Because they could be sold only through pharmacies or on prescription. That would be another way to do it. It would, but again, that wouldn't be an issue that falls under my own department. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important we have proper consultation across government okay. and that's uh, ongoing. And again, on taxes and what people might see as a tax increase would be a decision if the government decides to go with this suggestion that revenue collects a broadcasting charge to fund RTE and other public service media. Are you minded to go in that direction? We have made no such uh, decision as as you know we have committed to making a decision about putting in place a sustainable 
funding model for RT over the period ahead. Minister Martin is waiting on uh, the final two reports on governance and HR matters. I believe they're expected uh, next month in March Mm -hmm. and once she has had an opportunity to consider those, uh, she will bring a recommendation uh, to government and will make uh, a decision. But we support public service broadcasting in RT, but also does public service broadcasting and public service content in other organisations. That has to be supported. We need a sustainable funding model and we've given a commitment to do that. What's your own preference In the interim, as you know, we have committed 56 million euro in funding uh, to stabilise the situation at RT and Mm. uh, that will be provided across this year in line with the commitment that we've given and we will make a What assurances are you getting around how that money is being spent? Well, that's between the um, the Department of, of Arts and Culture that Minister Martin runs uh, and RT and there are lines of accountability there, much of which we've heard about in recent days and weeks And um, but there are reporting channels there in terms of expenditure and how okay. money is being spent. So what's your own preference on the future funding model? Well, the issue that has been much discussed is the future of the, the TV licence, whether we get rid of that, replace it with another charge or we go for a fully exchequer funded model. Um, uh, my own view is that we should retain a charge um, in 2022. The, the licence fee? Well, not necessarily the licence fee, but that or uh, another form of charge. In 2022, it brought in about €150 million. Euro. Uh, that did fall last year to mm-hmm. €132 million because of all the controversy. But most people are continuing to pay uh, their licence. I acknowledge that there is a need for reform and modernisation, so it could be that an alternative charge is more appropriate. Collected but there are by th- revenue? But there are other views, and the other views have been you know, explained in your studio and others mm-hmm. about uh, it being funded by the Exchequer. Yeah. I would make two points uh, on that front, and I've given a personal view, so I'm happy to to explain it. Um, First of all, finding about €150 million in the budgetary process is incredibly difficult. When you look at what we do every year in the budget, the amount that is available on the expenditure side for discretionary new measures, it it could be about €1.5 billion or so. So you could be looking at taking 10% of that uh, to plug the hole that would be left from the removal of the licence fee. That's not realistic and that's not achievable, certainly not in one budget. So that's the first point I would make. And uh, the second point is I genuinely do not believe it is a good idea uh, that RT would be entirely at the mercy of the government of the day uh, when it comes and do to you their not, core funding. Do you not believe that safeguards could be put in place? They could, but they could be removed by the next government or a government beyond that. And I don't believe that that is a vulnerability that we should expose public service broadcasting to. And I think the likelihood is, uh, certainly my own view is, that we should uh, continue with mm. um, a form of, of hybrid funding, which will involve a charge, um, but also there will be a need for uh, exchequer funding. At the moment, uh, the exchequer, as you know, pays for um, the licence for people who are entitled to a free TV Mm licence, for example. I think that's over €50 million a year at the moment. So it sounds as though what you would like to see is some sort of charge, perhaps collected by revenue. Can you clarify that for me? Are you in favour of that? We're we're jumping ahead. No decision has been made, first of all, on the future of the licence or whether there will be a replacement um, the revenue commissioners will do what government asks them to do. Yeah. And, you know, obviously any new charge would need to be properly scoped out, would require legislation. And if uh, we were 
giving that role to the revenue commissioners, then it would need to be consistent with overall taxation policy, what exactly the role and responsibilities of revenue uh, are, uh, and so on. And all of that would need to be teased through. We're not at that point, mm-hmm. and it's well known. There are different views in government, but we will come to a view. And in the meantime, I think it's important that we would reaffirm the importance of the TV licence. I got an email only in the last couple of weeks that my own was expiring yeah. this month, and I renewed it. People should renew it. They should pay their licence. It's important um, for the good work that is being done within RTE and there's good work being done here every day. So so you see yourself as having two jobs really there from what you've said, saving the broadcaster but also making sure that no other government can strip it back in the future? Well, I mean, all of the advice that we have received when it comes to managing the public finances is we shouldn't be getting rid of revenue streams because it results in narrowing the base even further. And we know how dependent we are on the buoyant corporate tax receipts we've been collecting uh, in recent years. And I acknowledge the TV licence fee, you might say, is small beer in the overall scheme of things, mm. but I don't think it's good practice so don't to put be getting an, rid of revenue streams. don't put another streams. draw on the pot of general exactly. taxation. Exactly. It's, it's an easy answer to say, oh, general taxation. But sure, who pays that? You know, we all pay that and in the taxation that we pay and it may result in us having to pay more taxation. So we pay no matter what, Mm -hmm. but I think having a distinct charge that is traceable and directly linked to public service content which is so important for our democracy is something yeah. that we should value and we should be prepared okay. to pay for it. And most people are, even after all of the controversy in the last eight or nine months, you know, most people continue to pay. And mm. so we accept we have to bring clarity and finality to the situation, which we will. In the meantime, you know, we should pay the licence fee. Uh, we have provided a commitment around interim funding and this government will make okay. a decision about a sustainable funding basis. I am going RTE. to move on from RTE because I know how people feel about it, but it did occur to me this morning, and I wonder from your point of view, is RTE in the realm of force now, that it has to be raised to the ground, dismantled and rebuilt? Look, there's a huge amount of good work done here every day, and this has dragged on far too long. I think the Ryan Tuberty story broke around June, June of last yeah. year. So, you know, it... Uh, <laughs> It's been really damaging. It has damaged confidence and public trust in the organisation and it must be awful for the people who come in here every day and do an honest day's work and who are, you know, providing a service to the public which is really valuable and really important. Um, I I do think that Kevin Backhurst uh, and his board are doing their very best. I think they deserve our support and the government will work with them now. There will be a new chair uh, appointed. Minister Martin is meeting with the board, I believe, on Friday of this week and we do need a reset because we have to get away from this constant drip feed of information and controversy and focus on the good work being done, Mm -hmm. make make decisions that ensure RTE has a sustainable and firm footing going forward and uh, allow Mr Backhurst and the board then to run the organisation in an open and transparent way. All right, let's move on um, because we're waiting for the publication of the report from the Housing Commission. You know how important housing is for people. The last election, it was top of the tree of uh, voter concerns, that and, and health. But that report is expected to tell us that the need for housing is much greater again than our current target. So you've had you know, four years of trying to fix the problem and you're about to be told again now that it's even bigger than you realised. Do you think voters will appreciate hearing that message? Well, we are making progress. I mean, since this government came to office, uh, over 100,000 
20,000 homes have been built. Uh, we have seen year on year increases, so almost 33,000 units last year. I believe we will do more this year. Uh, there is a need to revise the targets upwards, mm. but that does not in itself build any more homes. Yeah, but there's, no, there's no just ceiling to put it on the into number of homes people, that we are going to build. The expectation is you're going to be told that it will be more, it's more than 50,000 houses that we actually need. We have a Big growing gap. population. Ireland is an attractive country where people come to want to come and live and work, enjoy the quality of life here and enjoy the employment and economic opportunity in our country. And we have put in place a multi-annual uh, commitment of exchequer funding uh, through the Central Exchequer through the Land Development Agency we're supporting our local authorities our approved housing bodies but we also have to have an environment that is attractive to private capital and that's where we differ from uh, the opposition who think that the state can do it all even Mm. to build the number of homes that we're building at the moment requires about 15 billion euro of capital a year the state is currently contributing about a third of that the private sector through our banks our non-banks institutional capital is providing the remainder and yes we will be revising the housing targets as part of uh, a review of the national planning framework but changing targets doesn't in and of itself build more homes it's about planning reform it's about ensuring the funding is there uh, that the skills are there and that the infrastructure is put in place so it's about the hard yards and we are doing it and we are making progress in terms of housing It's a hard sell though for people who still can't get a foot on the ladder or even rent somewhere going into an election Of course it is. This is a a, a very challenging issue, but I think we can point uh, to real progress when it comes to helping people uh, buy their first home Mm. uh, through the shared equity scheme, which is proving to be really popular, the help to buy scheme. Both of those schemes, most of the opposition, including Sinn Féin, want to get rid of. Uh, We support home ownership. We have a whole range of grants to tackle vacancy, tackle dereliction. We have new cost rental homes that we never had before. We have affordable purchase homes now coming on stream. So we've put in place... You said yourself, you acknowledge it's not enough. We need to do more. I I accept that. Absolutely. Yeah, Listen, Bank of Ireland um, posting record profits, 1.9 billion euro for 2023. And I was thinking about that in the context of the measure that you had to take for people on tracker mortgages in the budget who had seen such huge increases. Is the state a fool to do that when the banks are making so much money? Well, the banks have benefited enormously from the interest rate cycle. Uh, That won't last forever. And we've had Bank of Ireland's results. We'll have the results of AAB and permanent TSB uh, coming out shortly as well. But that is why I made the decision to more than double the bank levy. So last year there was 87 million euro collected on the bank levy. Uh, This year it will be 200 million euro. But the savers uh, are getting nothing. The The mortgage holders are getting hammered. And you're having to set up a scheme to help out the tracker mortgage holders. Well, we set up a scheme to help mortgage holders generally who had to pay a lot more interest because the ECB pushed up the interest rates. It must stick in your craw that they're making so much money and you to put your hand in the state pocket to help mortgage holders. Well, I think to be fair, when you look at the pass-through of interest rate increases that happened at ECB level, it was about 4.5% and you compare the pass-through in Ireland for borrowers, it has been at the lower end compared to other European countries, but for trackers it passes through automatically Mm -hmm. and there's nothing can be done about that. What about the savers then? Well, we have seen an increase in the rate for savers but the point that I want to make which may not be a popular one is that we can help ourselves there's about 150 billion euro of savings on deposit in our banks and about 140 billion of that 
uh, is sitting in current accounts or instant notice accounts earning close to zero. So we could help ourselves and there are Shop rates around. of 2%, 3%. Well, you know, I know politicians get uh, criticised for that. But when you look at the facts that the vast majority of the funding that people have is sitting in accounts earning little or nothing where you could earn 2 to 3% uh, if you made a change. And, you know, we all just need to be conscious of that. Minister, thank you very much for coming in. Thank That's you, Minister for Finance, Michael McGrath. We'll take a break. Text 51551 today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1.